Welcome back to Parker's MMA Show. In this week's edition, we're going to talk about UFC Vancouver, went down last weekend, Tyson Fury's wild 12-round fight, and the return of the notorious one, one Conor McGregor. Let's get into it. So let's jump into the UFC fights first. This weekend, we had uh, Justin Gaethje fighting Cowboy Cerrone. That went down in Vancouver, Canada. Um, Last week, I did call a knockout by Justin Gaethje. I thought it would be later in the round or later in the fight. He got it done in the first round again. That's three straight for Justin Gaethje in the first round. And, I mean, Cowboy is not easy to put away. That was very, very, very impressive. I, I think Justin is really kind of reshaped his game after those two losses to Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier, and he's just fighting a lot smarter. Um, he's still, you know, getting the knockouts with the same style that he had previously in World Series of Fighting and his first three fights, you know, in the UFC. He's still fighting semi-aggressive. He's just, he's fighting smarter. He's not consistently pushing the pace. He's, you know, gets in, throws his combos, backs out, resets, kind of stays at range. And um, he's, he's just really come a long way here in the last three fights. He, I think he kind of hit that crossroad in his career where he had two back-to-back losses to two top guys, obviously, Eddie Alvarez, former champion. Dustin Poirier just fought Khabib for the title. So those two are, you know, top of the line at lightweight. So it's been really interesting. He had, you know, two back-to-back vicious knockouts of James Vick and Barbosa, who are top ten guys at lightweight, and then he just took on one of the greats, Cowboy Cerrone, and put him away in the first round. So Justin's really, really looking good. Um, at, you know, I think a lot of the credit goes to his coach Trevor Whitman. He's obviously a fucking genius. He he took that guy. That's just a savage brawler and he's really cleaned him up a lot and I really think Justin's going to be really really dangerous here in the next couple years you know at lightweight um this this is huge for him this sets him up for some serious serious fights you know obviously he could await the winner of Ferguson and Khabib which I I hope goes down maybe November or December so you're talking you know, probably six to eight months he would have to wait, which, yeah, I could see him doing that. I, I think he took off, you know, seven or eight months after his last fight before he fought Cowboy. So it, it's kind of up to him. And then, you know, McGregor has been kind of throwing hints at him, and him and Connor have been going back and forth for the last year or so on social medias and stuff. So that that's an option. That could be a really big fight. Connor, I think recently, sometime this week, sent out a message that said, December 14th, Dublin, Ireland. I mean, Justin Gaethje, Connor McGregor, Dublin, Ireland, soccer stadium, shitloads of people. That That's one I would definitely give all the money to see. Um, so that's a possibility. The timeline kind of works out. You know, if you get Khabib and Tony, November-ish, and then um, a month later, you get Justin and Connor. The winner obviously fight each other. So that's kind of the direction I think Justin Gaethje should go. I, I think 
he's a very, very dangerous fight for Connor right now. But I, I really don't think Connor has that many options. He's if he wants to get back in now, he pretty much has to fight Gaethje or Dustin Poirier. But Dustin Poirier is coming off the loss where, you know, he got beat in a pretty similar fashion as Connor. So I don't know, you, you know, how big of obviously it'll be a big fight if Connor's fighting, but it's not going to make as big of an impact if he gets a win, you know, as it would with Justin Gaethje. Justin Gaethje's on absolute terror the last three fights. And he's looking like one of the best fighters at lightweight. So, for me, I think um, the next fight's got to be Justin versus Connor, And it'll be really interesting to see how Justin plays it. Obviously, he's got a huge wrestling background. Connor struggles with wrestlers and struggles on the ground. But you don't really ever see Justin use that. He wants to stand and bang and make it violent. You know, he uses his clinch, his dirty boxing... And he tries to knock you out. Everything, and his leg kicks, his vicious, vicious leg kicks. That guy comes in there to put you away and and hurt you. Um, So on the feet, on paper, that could be an absolute, absolute fireworks. And if they're able to do it in Dublin, that would be incredible. I guarantee they would sell out a giant soccer stadium for that, and that would be a massive event. So, um, yeah, you had Connor calling out Justin. And then um, Poirier called him out as well. Him and Poirier would be a good fight, but I just don't think it's a big fight right now. I think Poirier, you know, kind of got beat up a little bit in the Khabib fight. Probably needs to take some time off and kind of let these four fight it out. Khabib, Ferguson, McGregor, and Gaethje. And then let it clear up a little bit and then make his way back in. Um, So, yeah, Justin Gaethje, massive, massive win. That guy's really looking good. He's going to be a problem, a, a huge problem. I I think I've been saying this for probably a year or so, and now so even more after I've seen him his last couple fights. I think he's Khabib's kryptonite if Ferguson can't get it done. I think him and Ferguson are the two best bets to take down Khabib. Just their style, their pressure, their durability, um, their wrestling – you know, I think a, a lot of that makes very, very interesting matchups for Khabib. Um, so, yeah, awesome, awesome performance by Gaethje. Like I said, that was a hard one to pick. Those are two of my favorite fighters. You know, Cowboy, I've been falling forever. And then Gaethje, since he came on the scene um, in the UFC, I just really love how that guy fights. And he's a fucking animal and brings it every single time. Every time. You're never, ever going to get a boring performance with Justin. Uh, for Justin, that was his seventh bonus, performance bonus, I believe, since he's um, been in the UFC. So, yeah, good for him. Let's keep the ball rolling with him. Um, like I said, I'd like to see him fight Connor sometime December, maybe early 2020. Um, for Cowboy, this isn't really a step back for him. You know, he's going to keep being cowboy. He's one of the most famous fighters in the UFC. He's a guy that he'll fight three, four, five times a year. And he's going to have ups. He's going to have downs. But that's why people love him. I mean, he's there to fight whenever they need him. He'll step in short notice. You know, he'll step in any weight class, 55, 70, bounce back and forth. And he's a guy... You're going to get good fights from him every time he fights. That's why he's 
you know, leads the UFC in wins, appearances. He's just going to keep stacking records. I mean, he's 36 years old. He's not necessarily on the downswing of his career. It's not like, you know, he's BJ Penn getting starched every fight and on a 10-fight losing streak. I mean, he's a guy that he wins three in a row, he'll lose one or two, and then he'll win three in a row and keep going on, you know, streaky runs like that. And that's that's just what he's done. You know, he's he's never really been able to reach the top. I know, you know, recently he's been talking about he, he wants to get that belt before he leaves, that that's really going to cement his legacy. And, I mean, to me, Cowboy doesn't need a belt to cement his legacy. He's one of the baddest motherfuckers to ever fight. He's awesome the way he lives his life. He's he just he's a badass and more fighters should emulate him and a lot of them do. They, you know, they all look up to him as a fighter because he's a guy that'll show up any day, any time. He would fight probably two, three times a month if the UFC would let him and the sanctioning bodies would let him. But um yeah, this is not a step back for Cowboy. Um, you know, next fight for him. Him versus Dustin Poirier could be interesting. They're both coming off a loss. I know Cowboy will want to get back in there after getting knocked out in the first round. He never, ever gets finished like that. Um, Poirier obviously was very, very disappointed in his title, you know, chance against Khabib. He felt like he let himself down and didn't perform up, up to his standard. So, you know, I, I know he would want to get back in there. Um, current rankings... You know, you've got Poirier was two, Cowboy was four. So, yeah, that makes sense. Um, Paul Felder, I know he just had that close fight with Edson Barbosa, and, you know, he wants to get back in there. So, Cowboy versus Paul Felder, that's not a bad idea. Um, And then, of course, he's always got the option to move back up to welterweight, take a couple fights up there. There's, you know, it's kind of tied up right now. You've got... Usman and Covington kind of trying to work out contract negotiations for that title fight. You've got Woodley still at two, which he doesn't really have a fight. Um, you know, maybe Woodley, Leon Edwards would make sense. Um, Nate Diaz versus Masvidal. I assume that the winner of that's going to get a title fight, but maybe the loser. You know, I'd like to see Cowboy fight either of them. RDA would be a fun fight for Cowboy. I think they fought, yeah, for a title back at lightweight, you know, several years ago. Um, that'd be an interesting fight. So, yeah, Cowboy, he's he's always got a lot of options. I, I think he's got, you know, four or five more good years in him where, where he'll keep doing what he's doing, um, being Cowboy, you know, taking four or five fights a year and being a fan favorite. So, yeah, no big loss for Cowboy. He'll be back for Justin Gaethje. Um, sky's the limit for Justin Gaethje. That, um, the moment they had after the knockout was pretty cool. You know, I, I thought it was probably a, a little bit of a late, I won't say late, it was kind of an awkward stoppage that ref kind of half-assed, you know, stepped in front of Gaethje like he was going to stop the fight, and then he pulled back. Gaethje hit Cowboy one or two more times, and they were both kind of pissed at the ref. So that was that was a weird stoppage. But afterwards, the way that Cowboy handled handled it was nothing but class. Um, you know, him and Gaethje are buddies, and he he just handled it like a 
total pro. Um, but what he said, he said for Justin, the sky's the limit. It really is. You know, he's got an opportunity for a huge money fight with McGregor. And then after that, an opportunity to become the lightweight title, title holder, which is, I mean, the most prestigious belt to me in uh, the UFC and all of MMA. So, yeah, Justin Gaethje's getting the ball rolling. Uh, really excited to see what he's going to do next. Alrighty, so uh, moving on, I wanted to talk um, a little bit about maybe two more of the fights on UFC Vancouver, and then we'll move on to Tyson. All right, moving on, I want to talk about um, the Michelle Pereira versus Tristan Connolly fight. Uh, Michelle Pereira is a Brazilian fighter. <laughs> I've been seeing the highlights of him for years now, probably you know two or three years of him fighting in you know lower organizations, just doing crazy shit, backflips, jumping into people's guards with a front flip, fl- crazy flying knees. Um, all kinds of crazy shit, but, um, yeah, I was pretty excited when he got announced that he was coming to the UFC. I watched his first fight. He had a first round knockout. I think it was either a a flying, yeah, it was a flying knee first round knockout. Um, and then this fight, his opponent dropped out a couple times. So in comes this guy, Tristan Connolly, who's fights on the Canadian circuit at, uh, 155, I believe. He's a black belt Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy, and he works up at EA Sports. So he takes the fight on one day's notice um, for a 155 fight. Piera missed weight by one pound, and I read in an interview that he cut nearly 40 pounds. I believe he usually fights at 170, and he took this fight at 155. So yeah, he cuts almost 40 pounds and doesn't make it. Um, apparently there were some issues with his team. They couldn't get in the States with their visa or whatever. But anyway, it was just a crazy week with him. It starts at the weigh-in, the ceremonial weigh-in, after he misses weight. And he's doing backflips on the stage and breakdancing in front of the, uh, ring girls. And then we get to the fight and he has the most ridiculous walkout ever. Um, it seems like a five to six minute walk out where he's dancing and then about halfway through they start this choreographed dance with him and his cornermen um looked like some brazilian backstreet boys shit but it was pretty fucking awesome um you know then he makes his way to to the ring and he comes out super hot he's chasing Connolly around the state around the octagon he, he does like a somersault to a backflip and he misses him, and then uh, Connolly was on the ground. He does a front flip into his guard. So the first three minutes of this fight was just fucking chaos. This Tristan Connolly guy, I think, had no idea what the fuck was coming at him. Um, yeah, it was the craziest shit I've ever seen in an MMA fight. But um, Connolly weathered the storm, and probably a you know, a minute left in the first round and moving on to the second round, it seemed Piera had had gassed. You know, I think he kind of wore himself out. That horrible weight cut probably played a part in that. But, um, yeah, it ended up being a really great story. Connolly, they end up winning fight of the night. And since Piera missed weight, Connolly got a hundred grand bonus, which was pretty cool. You know, a guy that's fought around the local circuits forever and probably doesn't make that great of money 
fighting in other organizations, um, for him to, you know, withstand that chaos in the first three minutes and then just kind of start taking over the fight little by little. Um, he got the decision win and a hundred grand in his pocket. So good for him. Good for Tristan Connolly and, uh, Michelle Pereira. I hope to see that guy fight again. That, that shit was crazy. Even if he fights on prelims or whatever, I don't think that's going to fly at the top 10 at 150 or 170. I, I think he's going to try to do a backflip and get knocked the fuck out or taken down and beat to death. Um, but he's pretty freaking awesome. Pretty crazy guy. Um, I would like to see him keep fighting. That was very, very entertaining. Um, uh, moving on, I want to talk just quickly about the uh, Jeff Hughes, Todd Duffy fight. Um, Jeff heavyweight fight, Jeff Hughes coming off the contender series, uh, lost his first UFC fight to a close decision. Todd Duffy, um, been out for four or five years. He made a big splash back in the heavyweight division, you know, when he first got started. And then he had a couple losses, a couple injuries, and he's just been out for a while. So, um, I was kind of excited to see his return. He's still a freaking specimen. He looks super jacked, super athletic for, uh, the heavyweight division. Let me see. Yeah, it was, it was just kind of a weird fight. It was, a, you know, kind of a crazy fight for the first three or four minutes. Todd Duffy looked really good, really powerful, and actually looked like he was about to put Jeff Hughes away. And then there was a weird, you know, alleged eye poke. And I, it didn't look like a lot to me. We saw the replays. Um, you know, DC was doing the commentary, and he... Said he didn't really see much either. So it's kind of a weird ending to a what was shaping up to be a pretty good fight at heavyweight. And it was just kind of anticlimactic for um, Duffy's return there. So, yeah, that'll, maybe they'll run that one back. That was just kind of a weird fight. And I know a lot of the media and stuff was kind of hinting that maybe he wanted out or he quit or whatever. You know, maybe he had an eye injury. Who knows? But... That was just kind of a weird fight that got started off super hot and just kind of fizzled out. So that's it for uh, UFC Vancouver. You know, big winners on the night. Justin Gaethje, Tristan Connolly with the bonus. Good stuff. All right. So after I was done watching the UFC fight Saturday night, about 10, 30, 11 o'clock, comes on Tyson Fury, the Gypsy King, the lineal heavyweight champion, taking on a... Large Southpaw Swede named Otto Wallen. This is one of those fights that boxing will kind of throw at you. You know, right now we've got the big time heavyweights. Heavyweight boxing is awesome. You've got Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury, Andy Ruiz, who just knocked out Anthony Joshua, and of course Anthony Joshua. So you've kind of got four guys that you know, are the baddest of the bad, and it's a lot of politics and a lot of bullshit that goes back and forth, back and forth to get these guys to fight. So in the meantime, they take these, not necessarily tune-up fights, but just kind of filler fights in between the big money fight. So with Tyson, he's got, he fought Tom Swartz, I believe it was a German guy, you know, four or five months ago, and now he took a second fight against this Otto Wallen guy so I mean at the end of the day it's heavyweight boxing it's dangerous anything could happen one punch could change the whole fight 
So this was one of those fights. This this turned into crazy, crazy drama. Um, to start the fight, Tyson Fury has an epic walkout, about a seven-minute walkout, where he's the sixth nine gypsy is wearing a sombrero and a Mexican flag, and Mexican uh, flag trunks and the whole bit. He's got a mariachi band playing and a Mexican lady singing a song, escorting him in. He was uh, paying homage to all the Mexican fighters for Mexican Independence Day. Um, obviously, one of the best showmen in the sport, Tyson Fury, very, very entertaining in and out of the ring. Um, so once he got in there, it was fucking go time. He went to war with this young Swedish guy for 12 rounds, and it ended up being a way harder fight than I think anyone would have wanted or he expected. Um, in the second round, he caught a short left hand. It didn't really even seem to phase him, um, but it opened up a giant cut, probably a three-inch cut that's probably going to need about 40 to 50 stitches, and it was just a problem. It It was bleeding constantly after every round. They were trying to throw Vaseline in it, get it to stop, and the cut man... Um, I think the cut man was giving it hell, but it was just, it was a shit show. It, he would put too much Vaseline on it. Tyson's rubbing it off. You've got Tom, or not Tom Schwartz, Otto Wallen, when they hit the clinch, is sticking his glove in it, making it bigger. So I, I think the big, the big worry was, um, you know, the fight would get stopped. And um, Tyson Fury's corner was under the impression, you know, until probably the fifth, or sixth round, maybe, that it was a headbutt. So they weren't really taking that into consideration. If it was a headbutt, you know, and the doctor stops the fight, it's a no contest, the fight's over. But if it's caused from a punch and the doctor stops the fight, then this Otto Wallen gets a victory, and that spoils all the big money fights, you know, with, with Wilder, you know, which is slated for probably February. Um, so yeah, there was some high drama, high, high drama, but, um, yeah, Tyson dug in the cut man did a great job keeping that cut sealed and it was really a war. You, you got to see Tyson, you know, kind of fight his way out of some shit. He, I, I think he probably lost the first maybe three or four rounds. And then after that, he started really getting aggressive and, and taking the fight to Wallen. Um, you know, obviously the doctor stoppage once the round, once the corner figured out that it was from a punch, everyone was pretty concerned. So I think they might, might've picked up the pace and changed the strategy a little bit. Um, you know, this autumn Wallen kid was a 30 to one underdog, probably pretty similar to what Anthony or Andy Ruiz was when he knocked out Joshua. So yeah, if something would have happened here, Tyson would have lost, that would have been a huge deal. And it would have cost everyone a lot of money. So, yeah, I'm really glad he dug deep. He ended up winning the fight by decision. There was, you know, obviously the cut was an issue the whole time. And then in the 12th round, he got rocked bad by Otto Wallen. And he was able to survive, hold on, and he took the decision. So, um, good, good for Tyson. He's done his part. Now, Wilder's got to go fight that 70-year-old Cuban um, Luis Ortiz again, which is no pushover fight either. He took he took Wilder to war, 
you know, and kind of beat him up in their last fight. And Wilder was able to knock him out late, but um, that's no gimme fight. So yeah, heavyweight boxing's about to get crazy. You know, we've got Tyson, who's good. He passed his test. You've got Andy Ruiz versus Joshua in the rematch. That'll be very interesting to see what happens in that. Then you've got Wilder Ortiz coming up in the next couple months, and then the winner of that's going to get Tyson Fury. So, yeah, the next three, four, five months is going to be craziness for heavyweight boxing. So I'll be really interested to see how that shakes out. I'll definitely be tuning into all those fights, and I'm just really glad heavyweight boxing's back. There's, you know, I, I love all the weight classes in UFC, but there's nothing like heavyweight boxing when it's good. It's freaking awesome, and when they are able to cut through all the bullshit and put together these badass, big, huge, monumental fights, we're in the middle of it right now, so it's going to get interesting here soon. Alrighty. Okay, moving on, um, I want to talk just briefly about this weekend's UFC card. We've got Yair Rodriguez taking on Jeremy Stevens. This fight's going down in Mexico City. Um, Mexico, obviously, native country of Yair Rodriguez. Jeremy Stevens also got Mexican ties as well, so that'll shape up to be a pretty big event. For Yair, he's coming off that massive uh, fight of the night, knockout of the year, maybe the freaking decade against the Korean Zombie. They had a just a battle, five round, you know, back and forth fight, and Yair was able to put him away with a crazy kind of upward elbow with one second left in the fifth round. And that was, I mean, that was an epic knockout. That'll go down in history as one of the best knockouts ever in the UFC. Um, before that, he had that kind of weird back and forth with the, with the UFC where he was released and then he was re-signed. I, I think it was due to not wanting to fight uh, Zabit, which uh, I can't blame him. That'd be a tough-ass fight. Zabit is a fucking animal. Um, before that, he fought Frankie Edgar. I was actually at that fight. That was in Dallas. He got freaking destroyed and um, just ground and pound to death by Frankie Edgar. He had that horrible picture you can look up of his eye just all exploded and nasty. Um, he's got good wins. He's got wins over Dan Hooker, which is looking a lot better after what he's been doing. Uh, same thing with Andre Feely. BJ Penn, obviously, was towards the end of his career, probably four or five in um, BJ's 10-fight losing streak. So, yeah, he's had some good wins. He's still a young guy. He's 26 years old. He's got a lot of talent. This is going to be a huge test for him. Jeremy Stevens is someone who's... Kind of like we talked about last week um, with Nate Diaz and George Masvidal. He's been around the game forever. He's fought everyone. He has huge power. He has some of the best ground and pound in the game. Um, I was looking at Jeremy Stevens' record. I, I'm not even going to – I'm not going to say win or loss, but just read off some of the people that he's fought. Anthony Pettis, Donald Cerrone, Eve Edwards, Darren Elkins, Cub Swanson – Dennis Bermudez, Max Holloway, Henan Burrell, Frankie Edgar, Gilbert Melendez, Doho Choi, Josh Emmett, Jose Aldo, and Zabit. That 
is a freaking ridiculous, ridiculous resume at 145. Um, I mean, that is like the who's who's list of everyone that's ever fought at 145. So, oh, add to that um, RDA way back when. Um, yeah, so I mean, Jeremy Stevens, he's been doing it forever. I think he's had, just from listening to his interviews, you know, he's he's had a little bit of a rebirth. He's 33 years old now. Um, literally, he's been fighting since he was 16 or 17, probably. So he's an animal. He's one of those guys. He's like Justin Gaethje, you know, Nick Diaz, George Mosvidal. He's a candidate for a bad motherfucker belt. If if there's a top 10 in the bad motherfucker division, Jeremy Stevens is in there. So this is a huge, huge test for Yair. Um, I'm going to make a call on this. I, I've got a really, really good feeling um, just through listening through the interviews and you know reading about these guys. But I've got Jeremy Stevens, fourth round knockout. I think it's going to be a good fight. I think it's going to be back and forth. But Jeremy Stevens has got crazy, crazy power. He's older. He's a veteran. He's been in there with everyone. Yair Rodriguez, I'm not quite sold on yet. He's got a lot of flashy skills. He's got a lot of potential. But this is his biggest test, and I think Jeremy Stevens is going to get it done. Um, so Jeremy Stevens. Third or fourth round knockout. Let's go. UFC Mexico City. Expect some violence. That one's going to be freaking crazy. Alrighty, another story that came out this week. Um, as you know, Khabib Nurmagomedov, the undisputed 155-pound king, defeated Dustin Poirier a couple weeks ago in Abu Dhabi. So after the fight... The two of them switched fight shirts uh, before they announced Khabib as a winner, just kind of as a gesture of you know mutual respect between the two. The buildup and everything was super respectful. They obviously have a lot of respect for each other as fighters and competitors. So anyway, they switched shirts. Um, Khabib went on to say that, hey, I'm going to sell this shirt and I'm going to donate it to your charity, which was a really cool move. Dustin Poirier's... Um, leads the Good Fight Foundation. It's a nonprofit where, you know, at, after every fight, he auctions all of his fight kits off and then they raise charity around his community. And a lot of the fighters are starting to get involved and donate to his cause, and it's really cool. So, leading up to the fight, I think Dustin had raised or set a goal of about $25,000, and they end up exceeding that by about $35,000. I believe, and then Monday or Tuesday, uh, news kind of hit that Khabib had sold the shirt for a hundred thousand dollars to an uns undisclosed, you know, buyer. Um, so yeah, he was made good on his word. He donated all the money, the hundred thousand dollars, to the charity. Um, Dustin has just teamed up with Justin Wren, um, a guy I know through high school. He's a phenomenal guy. He's been doing serious charity work over in Uganda. Um, they build water wells for the pygmy people over there and they've really, really made a big difference over there. So him and Dustin teamed up and that $100,000 is really going to change a lot of lives. So that was 
a really, really cool gesture. And then um, earlier on today, Dana White went on and said he would match that as well. So um, really good on all those guys. All in all, they got about $230,000 raised. Um, I remember talking to Justin, you know, years ago, and I think one well cost about five grand to build. So through those guys' generosity, they're going to raise, you know, build about 47 wells for those people. And, and that's a game changer. Bringing clean water to less fortunate people um, is really, really an awesome thing. I'm really glad that Khabib did that. I think that really is going to help his appearance after that nasty nasty you know fight build up and fight with McGregor I I think deep down he's a great guy I think McGregor just kind of brought the best or the worst out of him you know with crossing the line and talking about his people and his religion and his family I think there's just some things you don't talk about and um Khabib really showed his true colors and um good on him that was awesome and good on Dustin Poirier uh, those are two of the good guys in the game. So um, one more topic I want to dive into before we get out of here tonight. Um, my head coach, Coach James McSweeney, shout out to McSweeney MMA, Plano, Texas, is taking a bare-knuckle fight this weekend in North Dakota. Um, James is a former UFC fighter. He's fought all over the world, MMA, kickboxing. Um, just a bad motherfucker. Awesome dude. Stand-up guy, great coach. Um, he's taken on LeVar Johnson, who's um, was a heavyweight, you know, back in. I think he fought in Strikeforce, Bellator, um, had a stint in the UFC, and then he had some legal issues and was in jail for a little bit. But um, they're headlining the first event for Ken Shamrock's Valor Bare Knuckle Boxing. It's going to be a pay-per-view event going down Saturday night. Uh, looking forward to this. It'd be really cool to see my coach get in there and try bare knuckle. I'm super, super uh, interested in bare knuckle, and I think it's going to be a really big thing here in the next couple of years. Um, obviously, these guys have been fighting forever. They fought bare knuckle gloves, you know, four ounce gloves, 16 ounce gloves. I don't think it makes a fuck. Um, these guys are going to get in there and they're going to fucking bang, and it's heavyweights, bare knuckle, North Dakota. Ken Shamrock's Balor Bare Knuckle Boxing. Let's go, Coach McSweeney. Make that shit happen. Really, really looking forward to it. Um, I think you can get the pay-per-view on DirecTV, uh, the Fight Network, maybe Fight Pass. Just look around, but tune in. That will be fireworks, and I'm really looking forward to that. So that's it for this week. Hope you guys enjoyed it, and I will catch you next week. This is going to be a weekly show. It's Parker's MMA show. So thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.